So we're going to talk about salt tonight. First of all, chloride and sodium ions are the two major components of salt. And they are needed by all known living creatures in small quantities. So, simply put, they are necessary uh, to our existence. So salt is involved in regulating the water content as well as the fluid balance of our body. The sodium ions itself is used for electrical signaling in the nervous system. I think this is interesting because in Matthew 5.13, Jesus says, Ye are the, what? Salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. In this passage, it talks about how it has lost its savor. The Greek definition of this is to make dull, not acute, or to cause something to lose its taste or the purpose for which it exists. So when Jesus made this statement, he said, if the salt is not doing its job, then it loses its purpose for which it was created. So salt is involved in regulating the water content as well as the fluid balances of our body. Your spiritual body, if it has lost its savor, has lost its balance. That's why we talk about how that there are a lot of people that are excessive one way or the other. There's people that, that are extremely radical about what they believe. And then there's others that are very liberal about what they believe. And he says, both are not on the road. Stay on the road. Then you won't go off in the ditch. Because radical or liberal, if you don't have balance, you have lost your savor. Your flesh Your flesh can destroy the purpose and the balance of your spiritual walk with God. It's balance. It's balance because your flesh, if you're not careful, will be the very thing that causes you to make decisions when you ought to be going to the spirit rather than to the self-will of your own flesh. Decisions should not ever be made with the wisdom of your own mind without First, consulting the Spirit of God. Does that make sense? It's important that you understand that our bodies are full of trouble. And if we're not careful, we will base our life's decisions on what we want and what we desire rather than consulting God. And when we do that, we will lose our balance. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. So when the world looks at us, they need to see balance. Not judgment. Not being critical. Not always looking down on people. But balance. Everybody say balance. So it lends itself when we don't have 
balance and when we lose our savor, it's simply saying that we are giving ourselves to our flesh and no longer is there balance in the chemistry spiritually of your body. Your flesh can be out of control. The lack of balance controls your life. And the flesh can dictate your actions, which is lust. So the Greek definition, lust is savor. In Matthew 5.13, is used of the mind, meaning to make foolish or to show to be foolish. When we lose our balance, it's nothing but foolishness. Is all with me? So it says uh, we need salt. What do we need salt for? I'm going to deal with this. Number one, salt is needed for electrical signaling, si signaling in the nervous system. Without this, your mind doesn't think right. Let me go back. Without this, without salt in your body, you lose the ability to have electrical signaling in your nervous system. Meaning that when you don't have the balance of salt in your system, then you, don't, you can't control yourself. And if it loses its savor spiritually, we can't control ourselves. We're out of control. And I will tell you, personally, I've seen a lot of people that call themselves Christians but you would never know according to the word they are. You only hear it from what they say. But their heart is far from the Lord. Because they're out of control. They're out of control. I will tell you that I believe with all of my heart that churches that do not preach this truth are out of control. Come on now. It is our responsibility and it is as a pastor my responsibility and my obligation to make sure I preach the truth. Not preach what people want to hear, but preach the truth. Otherwise, we are out of control. And if he is the head and we are the body, if we don't have a balance, then something is wrong between the head and the body. And I promise you, it is not God who is the problem. That's why it says in Romans 12, 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye, what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perf the perfect will of God. What he is saying is, let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus, our thoughts ought to be the desire to have his mind in us. Not that it's going to be perfect, but let us strive to think as our Christ would think. Amen. To have the mind of God in your life, that would change everything about us. It would change the way you treat your children. 
It will change the way you treat your spouse. It will change the way you perceive your church. It will change the way you work on your job. It will change everything about you. It will change the way you view your finances. It will change everything about your life. Do I get a witness in this house tonight? Amen. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That's why I'm going back to Romans 12 too. And be not conformed to this world. What does it mean? Don't think like this world. Don't act like this world. Don't be like this world. But be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your own mind that ye may be able to what? Prove what is good and what is acceptable. Not prove what is good and acceptable according to worldly perception, but what is the perfect will of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why we go to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and the 5th verse, casting down all imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought that every thought to the obedience of Christ. Hmm. The ES version, it says this, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. He's talking about what's in your mind. If you don't have and you're the salt of the earth, and it's lost its savior. If it's lost its taste, if it's lost its ability to be salt, then what it will do is simply be this very scripture that you will not have the knowledge of God in you. And when you don't, you can't take in the captivity those thoughts in your mind because they're regulated by your own will and your own desire. But somewhere you've got to be able to have the idea in your mind and the thought and even the tenacity to say, God, I want to rein in my view. I want to pull in. I want to pull the reins on this, on this beast of mine and say, let my mind also be in you. That's in Christ Jesus. Amen. Casting down all imaginations. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Destroying every argument and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. I want to take down and tear down any thought that is in my mind that doesn't belong to God. Every thought. Every thought. Come on, you need to hear what I'm preaching here tonight. It's not going to always be easy, and I don't promise it's going to be easy. And I'm not going to tell you that it's going to be a bed of roses because you're going to slip past the pedal, and one day you're going to land on one of the... And when you are on that thorn, you're going to say, why, 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 why? I'll tell you why. God is looking to you and he's trusting you to take into captivity your thoughts. So you can say, it's not going to always be easy. It's not always a bed of roses. But sometimes I have to deal with some hurts and some pains and I got to rein in my thoughts. And it's not going to always be what you want as I preached on Sunday. But if you rein in your thoughts according to the word of God, it might not be what you want, but it will always be be right. Hallelujah. That's why we love the Word of God around here. I love the Word of God. I love preaching it. I love hearing it. I don't want somebody to side skirt the true subjects of God's Word and try to make people feel good about it. I, I want to hear it right straight. Give it to me. 
And the reason I, I, I like it that way is because I don't want to have to try to figure out what the preacher said after I get home. What did he mean by that? What was he trying to tell us? Destroying arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Amen. I'll tell you, if you have a revelation of the truth, there should never be an argument among us. Truth is truth. I have some people in this church that still want to argue over finances God's way. How people want to argue over, well, I don't believe that this is necessary. And they know it's necessary. They've been taught it's necessary. They've been raised around that it's necessary. But they want to, they want to justify themselves by saying, no, I don't, I don't believe that. Well, you can say what you want, but truth is still truth. We can't change that. God is truth. You can't change that. The word is the knowledge of God. Ever say the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God. Destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against what? The knowledge of God. Not my opinion, not my view, not because we have Pentecostals of Phoenix on our, our building. No, we can put anything we want on our building. That doesn't make us saved or lost. What we have to do is what's going on on the inside. That's why we can talk about, you know, you can say I'm Presbyterian and I'm Baptist and I'm, I'm Methodist. And I, I, it doesn't matter who you are. What is on the inside? Let's talk about that for a while because a lot of people, they believe that they're saved because of what grandma and grandpa was. But you've got to get saved on what you know is right so that you can get what is right on the inside. That anything that is raised against the knowledge of God, will not stand. Oh, hear me now. The word is the knowledge of God. Nothing will stand against it. Not opinions, not governments. No, no theologian, scientist. None of that is going to stand against the knowledge of God. Kingdoms will be destroyed with it. The knowledge of God is going to lob off the heads of demonic warfare and spirits in this day. The knowledge of God will make wrongs right. <laughs> It'll bring those that are up down. It'll put marriages back together, bring our kids back to salvation. It'll heal the wounded. It's going to redeem the lost. It'll, de it'll deliver the depressed. It'll set the captive free. Break down prejudiced walls of hate. It will bring joy to the wounded heart. It'll cast down every evil imagination. Oh, yeah. It'll raise your life out of the pit of hell. The knowledge of God will make straight the crooked paths. Set your life on the things that are right. That's the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God will bring your flesh under subjection. Amen. As some of these younger people say, you feel me?
Let's go back to salt, salt. While people have used salt for canning and artificial refrigeration to preserve food for the last hundred years or so, salt has been the best-known food preservative, especially for meat, for many thousands of years. In Leviticus, the second chapter, and the 13th verse, it says this, And every oblation of the, thy meat offering, thou, uh, thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from the meat offering. With all thine offering thou shalt offer salt. And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt. This oblation actually means a masculine noun, meaning an offering or a gift. This is the most general term used 80 times in the Old Testament for offering and gifts of all kinds. The word is found in Leviticus referring to animal offerings or all permissible types, like grain offerings and offerings of fine flour, gifts or votive offerings of gold and vessels. It is found in Numbers referring to silver vessels and rings. And he is saying here that on every oblation of thy meat offering, thou shalt season with salt. He's saying that there is always, always through what you have, when you have an oblation of a sacrifice, always bring your balance, always bring your salt, because that's what you need to make as an offering to God. What does that mean? That means that when you bring your offering, whatever it is, you should give it to the Lord so that it can be preserved. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so, so what he's really saying is when you come to the house of God or when you're at home in your prayer room and, and you start talking to God and you say, here I am, Lord. I don't have a whole lot to offer, but I'm going to give you my balance Meaning, I'm not going to be radical one way or radical the other. I'm just going to use godly wisdom and my mind is going to be set on you. And I'm going to do my best to think like you do. I'm going to do my best to walk like you. And when I do that, I will preserve what I give you, God. Because every time you come to the house of God, just because you give doesn't mean it's going to be preserved. There's people that make great sacrifice. But what good is your sacrifice if you don't have it salted? Every sacrifice you make to God has to be preserved with your moderation and your balance. Does this make sense? So I have been around people that have made great sacrifices. And they believe they're saved based on their sacrifice. Well, I don't do this and I don't do that. And I pray five hours a day and I, I give so much money to the church. And, and they think they're saved. And they want to make sure everybody knows the sacrifices they make. But because they believe all of what they do is so spiritual, they don't understand that they're not salting with balance. 
And because they're not salting with balance, it doesn't matter what sacrifices they make. It never will work because it's never preserved. So they'll give on one day and it's already gone the next day because it becomes completely destroyed. And it's like meat that is not preserved and it starts to stink. All of their separation, all of their sacrifice, all that they do starts to stink in the nostrils of God because the meat is starting to rotten. Or rot. Does this make any sense? An oblation is an offering or a gift. What is that offering? Jeremiah says in 33, 11 says, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of thy bridegroom and the voice of thy bride and the voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good for his mercy endureth forever and of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord for I will cause to return the captivity of the land as the first or as at the first saith the Lord. So what he's saying is what we're doing is we're making sacrifices. And he says, when you start praising God, that's a sacrifice of praise. And when you sacrifice, you're bringing your sacrifice to the altar. And at the altar is where you can salt. That's where you find moderation. Is when you come before the Lord and the altar of God, he says, now let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And you can never have the mind of Christ until you find your own altar. An oblation is that when you bring your gift to the altar, no matter how much sacrifice you have, you better make sure you're talking to Jesus and not just wanting to hear your prayers. You need to talk to the Lord so that you can say, Lord, I want to be more like you. I want to understand like you. I want to be uh, uh, subject to your spirit so that I can make sure that my thoughts are not only my thoughts. But my thoughts are your thoughts, God. You are the salt of the earth. What's he mean by that? When you come down to bring your offering and you salt it before the Lord, you become the very product of what you have given yourself to in your moderation. You've been preserved. You are the body of Christ. You are the salt of the earth. Now what are we doing? We're trying to give others a great truth so that they can also become part of the salt of the earth that preserves the balance of God in our world. The world needs to see a Christ that's not beating them over the head every time they do something wrong. The world needs to see a God that is not just always mad at them and the legalistic laws being imposed on them. what they really need is a God that loves them where they'll want to make changes in their life because they're in love with a God rather than afraid of that God. 
That's what we want them to understand is when they know that they have salt and they become the salt of the earth, then they are balanced in their walk with God. And when they're balanced in their walk with God, they will have their own relationship. And it won't be just a relationship with a church and it won't be just a relationship with a pastor or a staff or family members, but it will be because they really do have the mind of God in their lives. Amen. Amen. You are the salt of the earth. So you need to understand that when you go to the altar, that in order for God to preserve you, you've got to receive the salt in your life. And when you receive the salt in your life, then you are preserved. And when you are preserved, then you will have balance. And when you have balance, you will ask God to give you more of his mind so that you can continue to walk in balance so that the world is not repelled by the church, but is drawn to us. Drawn to us. I've been in churches where uh, Brother Hawks, I've been in churches where while I was there, I didn't feel comfortable even being there. I felt like I didn't belong. Have any of you experienced that? Where you was in a church service and you're like, you could just tell they didn't, you wasn't one of them. And because you wasn't one of them, they made it very clear that uh, you, 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 you need to leave and never come back. Because this is our little group, and this is our little clique, and this is, this is what we believe. And, 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 and they made it very clear that if, if you're not like us, you, you can't come here. That's kind of sad, wouldn't you say? And yet that's not salt. Salt is balance. Balancing the chemicals in the human body just as much as it balances the chemicals in the spiritual body of Christ. We are the salt of the earth. If we lose this, we lose what preserves us and preserves the, the moderation of who we are as a church. I'm just about done. Today's salt is also used in the manufacturing of large numbers of chemicals and chemicals uh, that are produced. Uh, they're also used as cleaners. I like this. Salt is used in a lot of cleaning. Uh, chemicals, that they put salt in with it, and, and it's cleaners. Wash your windows with it. And clean your cars with it. But I think that's interesting because I believe that once you get the salt in your life, it's going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's why we don't talk about just accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior and automatically you're saved. Well, that's, that's, that's a good start, but you're only talking about the God on the outside. We don't just want the Lord on the outside. We want him on the inside. That's why we have to open our heart. And Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if a man hear my voice, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. So when we open the door, that is accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, not on the outside, but on the inside. 
That's why we don't give you a card and say you're saved when you just make that confession. We actually believe that once you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, as it shows us in Acts, that's when we recognize this person is actually receiving the salvation of God's Spirit on the inside. It's great. You can come to church and keep coming to church, but the thing you ought to have and the greatest objective you ought to have is that every time you come to the house of God, if you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you ought to get down to the altar and be the first one down at the altar and invite the Lord into your heart as he wants to come in and give you salt. Hallelujah. Acts 13, 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the what? Holy Ghost. He says, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There you go. There's your balance again. Sound mind. Sound mind. Holy Ghost can be used to clean up our lives. The dirt and the grime and the crud of the sins of this world. When you get this thing inside of you, it'll cleanse you and clean up. Amen. Where's my piano player? Do I have a piano player here tonight? Amen. The Holy Ghost can be used on the dirty lives of people. That's why we like people to come here that don't know Jesus, that have had a lot of struggles in life, and, and they've trying to find their way. And I'm going to tell you, when I talk about dirty lives, Brother Hawks, I've seen some people that are in church for 20 years have some of the dirtiest lives that I've ever seen. It's just because you go to church doesn't mean that you don't need to clean yourself up spiritually. <laughs> Amen. All you just looking at me like elk in a headlight. The last thought I want to bring to you tonight is salt is necessary uh, to good health. Human blood contains salt, and the body cells must have salt functioning uh, to function uh, properly. So in Luke 14, 34 and 35, it says, Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears, let him hear. Let him hear. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. That's why when Jesus went to the cross and he died for us and he shed his blood for us. Every drop that fell off of that cross made its way and splashed in the dust below off of his feet and off of the crown of thorns that was on his head. Every drop of blood was a transfusion, meaning that his blood would be in us and in that blood would be the salt of our Savior. But if the salt ever loses its savor, taste, that means something's wrong.
because we don't have the Savior. But he says, it says here that however, some studies have suggested that too much salt or other sodium compounds in a person's diet can lead to high blood pressure. For this reason, many people attempt to reduce the amount of salt they eat to try to get their blood pressure down. Where does that go again? Too excessive. And yet, not enough salt. But just the right amount of salt. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. Just the right amount. That's why it says in Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned, 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 seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Seasoned is an amount that is just right, that comes from the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's all stand tonight. I hope you enjoyed it, Mama. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do a, a little favor for Pastor Knight. And I know we haven't done this in a while, but I want to just ask you, while she begins to sing, just to come down for a few moments and just let's, let's make a sacrifice of praise, an oblation, an offering seasoned with salt seasoned 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 with the blood of Jesus Christ seasoned with the mind of Christ in you seasoned yeah always been
Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this service tonight. We thank you, Lord, for all of those that take time to be here. And we hope that, Lord, that investment will come back with a great reward. I'm asking you, Lord, to bless each and every person here tonight with this word that a double portion of your blessing will fall upon them. We love you tonight, God, and we give you glory and honor for your presence that's in this house tonight, for all that you're going to do in the future of each and every person. In your precious name we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. If you need to go... I'm going to have her continue to sing a, a little longer. And if you, some of you want to stay down here and pray, go ahead. Amen. This doesn't mean that we're going to conclude. It just means that there's some that might have to leave. So if you want to pray for a little while, pray. This is a house of prayer. A house of prayer.